to get to. Let's get to it first. We have to start with Speakergate. Speakergate continues and Blacklock's reporter is reporting. Speaker Fergus faces new, a new censure nine weeks onto the job. As parliamentary secretary, secretary to Justin Trudeau, he was also censured for lobbying on behalf of constituents for a TV license. So that's not good. Not a good, great track record for the speaker. And Holly Doan says in December 2021, Speaker Fergus, while on the Ethics Committee, voted against an investigation of COVID contracts for lobbyists. Quote, it would just be stirring the pot, he said. So he is fully on board. He will look at it exactly the way Justin Trudeau wants to look at it and no other way. And any other way is probably racist. So... That's pretty wild. National Post is reporting out of sight, out of mind. Speaker Fergus to travel outside of the country as he faces calls to resign. And that's pretty interesting. House of Commons staffer says liberal school of ethics 101 flee when the pressure gets high. One of the countries out of the country for bonus marks, if you can. Right. And I mean, Trudeau likes to go surfing in Barbados, et cetera, et cetera. Laurie Goldstein is when there's a scandal, right? He'll go surfing, right? Bam, done. Anyway, Laurie Goldstein is reporting. MPs will be deciding Wednesday whether the House of Commons Speaker Greg Fergus's video in his traditional speaker garb that played at a partisan liberal event constitutes a, quote, serious error of judgment and merits a committee probe. Ah, okay. So will there be a probe or not? It doesn't look like the dismissal vote will happen right now, but he can't be a part of it because he is the subject of the problem, right? So there's a deputy speaker doing his job. So send him off to Washington, right? Here he is, with Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi says, it was my privilege to welcome Canadian House of Commons Speaker Greg Fergus and Kristen, somebody else, to Capitol Hill this morning during Speaker Fergus's first official visit to Washington. America's close friendship with Canada is vital as we work together to promote democracy around the world. I mean, he didn't meet with like Speaker Johnson? Why not? What's going on? Former Speaker Pelosi? Hmm, I don't know. Blacklock's reporter says MPs expected to vote today to have House Committee investigate Speaker Greg Fergus for shocking bias. The head referee is in the tank, Commons was told. So that's, I mean, is there is there going to be something that comes of this? It's a medium scandal. Is Greg Fergus, is, is he going to just get an ethics violation or some kind of slap on the wrist, right? The ceremonial slap on the wrist and then carry on? I would hazard to guess. Yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. Andy Lee is responding to Michael Chong. Michael Chong is saying, it's actually Michael Cooper, my bad. But Michael Cooper says, MP Michael Chong wrote a letter to the PROC asking the committee to adopt our CPC motion for the production of documents related to the intimidation campaign against him. And it's it's interesting. He goes through basically that unless unless we get to the bottom of this, unless we get all the information, then we can't possibly understand the depths at the disinformation campaign and the the rest of the things that happened with regards to foreign interference, specifically Chinese foreign interference in this case, right? And so he makes a good case and Andy Lee is talking about it and she says the liberals wouldn't want any damaging information on their friend from Beijing is that is accused of threatening conservative Michael Chong being made public, ousted PRC diplomat Zhao Wei was firmly in their corner. So there's there's all sorts of um, the network that actually did the dirty deed is Andy Lee and related people are uncovering kind of who it is and and even Canadian diplomats are being, or Chinese diplomats, excuse me, are being um, exposed expelled by Canada. So we understand the how, and still we're not going to get very close to the truth, I don't think. Stephen says, conservatives say credibility of foreign interference probe undermined by denying them full standing in the first place. So 
yeah, it, it really is. It's not the whole thing is just like all of the other inquiries. We're not going to get to the bottom of it by design because it's meant to just waste our time and money, I think, too. Duncan says, so the party targeted by the foreign interference doesn't have full standing at the inquiry. Makes sense. Makes sense in Canada. So the liberals benefited. The liberals were the ones who were getting money from this whole thing. And the party that was ended up getting um, negatively impacted. So there was WeChats and Chinese language um, ad purchases to influence people to not vote for the conservative party. They don't get full standing. Weird, right? Like, isn't that strange? So the justification I read to you yesterday, it, it doesn't, it doesn't stand up to any kind of scrutiny. It's not a good justification and people are upset, but they're not, nobody's going to listen, right? Just like with all of the rest of it. I mean, to a degree, people listened with, um, which one? The the special rapporteur, and I can't remember his name. Not Rouleau, the other one, the next one. Um, but with him, that whole thing was laughed at so heartily by Canadians that they had to shelve it. But it ended up just wasting a whole bunch of time anyway and money too, right? Because they did legal things, billable hours and all the rest of it. So it was a waste of time and money anyway. And we got no closer to it. And I fear this is going to be a similar similar thing. We're just going to drag our feet. Nobody's going to come closer to the truth. And they're going to give us some kind of nonsense report and point to that and say that's the official line. And that's unfortunate. Here's Sam Cooper. And he's he knows how just how deep this whole thing goes. Speaking of Andy Lee and other people associated and covering just the depths of all of this publicly, right? Sam Cooper is one of those guys doing that kind of work. And he says, good timing for Canada Interference Commission, the Foreign Interference Commission. I really wish allied experts like Alex, Alex Jolsk, I'm getting that wrong, but could testify. We need an external view from our allies that have acted in perspective outside the Laurentian bubble This er, that is so loud and wrong. And so this is um, the Select Committee on the Chinese Communists uh, this is a primer on United Front 101, and United Front is the Chinese um, cyber war or clandestine war, or he he describes it pretty well. So this is good. I'll just show a minute, minute and a half, but it's a five minute thing. Worth it. If you've got the time, worth it. Link is in the description. Here we go. Bing calls it the Chinese Communist Party's magic weapon. Mao called it one of the two weapons the heroic warrior wields to shatter the enemy's positions. Were they talking about nuclear technology, advanced submarines? No. They were talking about united front work, the CCP's global influence campaign and political warfare strategy. United front work connects the illegal Chinese police station discovered in Manhattan, thugs assaulting overseas Chinese students at American universities, the ongoing genocide in Xinjiang and the billions of dollars of IP vanishing from U.S. laboratories. Welcome to United Front Work 101, a crash course in the covert influence and intelligence operations of the Chinese Communist Party. United Front Work is the party's strategy to fight unrestricted political wars through three main tactics, silencing criticism of the regime globally, promoting propaganda abroad, and manipulating foreign institutions through clandestine and outright illegal operations. Perhaps the... One of, one of the things as well... One of the things I'll mention is that um, Hollywood, for a time, there was a period, there was a movie with The Rock and it had to do, he was disabled in the movie. He's missing a leg or something like that. And the love interest was Chinese. During that period of time, I think it was like 2009, 
there were a whole bunch of other movies that were having Chinese people in very positive light in Hollywood movies, right? And the reason was Hollywood was trying to expand into Asian Chinese markets. That was the official line I read in some newspaper somewhere. But when you look back at it, it is United Front work that is positioning, that, that's doing that. Um, and, and there was a whole bunch of soft, soft communist cells along with these prominent Chinese characters. So I thought it was just interesting to point out, but when you know what it is, you can see it clearly, right? And here, uh, here's back to this for another, I don't know, 30 seconds. ...of the United Front strategy I've heard is simply three words, making idiots useful, meaning co-opting any individual or organization to advance the goals of the party. United Front work has played a central but poorly understood role throughout the CCP's history. Even prior to the communist takeover in 1949, United Front work was critical for the party's survival by... So we'll leave it there for a minute. But it's very, very interesting how sophisticated and what I mean by it's not really just online because it's not right. Like they're they're looking at physically going into laboratories, getting credentialed, being physically in other places. It's traditional spy work, but also cyber, right? Also modern intellectual property, IP, um, all, all of that kind of stuff as well. And I think that it's very, they're very sophisticated where Canada is still running like 14 four baud modems right and we're running a 486 and they're actually they're running a modern computer and it's like oh man if only we could you know boot up a modern web browser we'd be somewhere we don't have anything i really don't think that the canadian government operates or counter operates against something like the united front we're we are being led by the nose and by people who don't understand that there are actual threats out there and people creating those threats through a coordinated a coordinated spy agency every bit as sinister as we've seen in the movies that's weird and this is weird this is another strange thing let's talk about housing rex glacier says check out another new team trudeau sean frazier housing project in downtown halifax and it's ice fishing tents they're ice fishing tents they're big red eskimo ice fishing tents i'm sure they're lovely they're very comfortable i guess um, but it seems like that's not a great solution and there was a whole um they had 10 tents donated well i'll read i'll read part of the article volunteer groups have purchased ice fishing shelters to help homeless people brave the cold wet weather in halifax which receives its first significant snowfall of the season overnight sunday stephen w who is a volunteer at the encampment across from halifax city hall said he he bought 10 tents himself and was reimbursed by good samaritans and the other 10 were donated Mike Baker, who's living in one of the 14 tents erected so far, says the Eskimo quick fish unit stays, stays drier during heavy precipitation compared to the summer tent he was using, which collapsed in a recent windstorm. The 29-year-old said he prefers tents to indoor shelters where he is only admitted late at night and fears people will steal his anti-seizure drugs. Baker says he's hoping to move into an apartment in a few weeks, but says in the meantime, the donated fishing tent will be his home. Halifax spokesperson Ryan N. says the downtown encampment has been authorized by the city, which wants no more than eight tents at the site. Oh, okay. Eight tents at the site. Great job. So sure, you can you can put a tent up here, but only eight of them. <laughs> what? Our slum will only be this big. So no, why why are we doing tents at all? Why is this a why is this a solution? It's not a solution in my opinion. Why? And the idea that this is a plan is offensive. It's not a plan. It's a plan to, to, to just have a whole bunch of homeless people with no solutions and 
it will exacerbate the problems. It's not like you can just turn that off, right? Not, and you can't build, you can't outbuild the problem when you continually import more people, right? And you're not, and you're not building to address the needs of that population as well. Here's Justin Trudeau sparring with Pierre Polyev. It's, it was kind of funny. It's a minute long. Here we go. Has demonstrated that he's extremely satisfied with his ability uh, to spread misinformation and disinformation online which, yes, I will admit, he's very good at. On this side of the House, Mr. Speaker, we're focused on delivering solutions for Canadians. We're focused on building more housing for Canadians, not focused on self-aggrandizement like the leader of the opposition. The Honourable Leader of the Official Opposition. Mr. Speaker, he is the king of self-aggrandizement, as evidenced by the fact that he's talking my much-acclaimed documentary when he claims he hasn't even watched it. How would he know about the the common-sense solutions if he hasn't had the attention span to sit there for 15 minutes on YouTube or X and watch it, Mr. Speaker? We'll even try to get it on TikTok so that he can find it. Mr. Speaker, it includes a common-sense plan to cut bureaucracy and taxes so that we can bring it home. Ah, uh, branding, right? It's very, very interesting, the barbing back and forth. Here is Globe and Mail, and I wonder who told them to print this article. <laughs> they say, this is an opinion piece, Polyev's housing hell video offers a lousy dime store analysis of our housing crisis. Well, it doesn't mention immigration, and so they're right. He's leaving a big, big chunk of it out, in my opinion. Rex Glacier is sharing Sean Frazier's tweet. Sean Frazier says, when I compare the measures we're advancing to what the conservative leader is proposing, it's clear that his plan will add red tape, increase the cost of home construction, and build fewer homes. When it comes to home building, it's time to invest, not make cuts. These people have been in charge of Canada for eight years. And prior to these people, we have never had a crisis like this ever in my living history. And and probably before that, I don't think that, I don't know. You'll have to let me know in the comments. I'll have to look it up. If Hoovervilles, Hoover was a, a U.S. president during the Depression. And I don't know if Hoovervilles were a feature in Canada, right? I don't think they would be called Hoovervilles, but were there tent cities in Canada during the Great Depression? Or did we avoid that? I don't know. Um, but here's, here's Sean Frazier and it's 40 seconds. Here we go. When I actually compare the measures that we're putting on the table uh, to the measures that Mr. Polyev is proposing to advance. I just read it. It's garbage. It's rhetoric. It's nonsense. Rex Glazier says you build nothing in eight years as government. You personally allowed millions of people to stay in Canada illegally. You are the problem. I agree with that. Here's Contrary. And this is uh, Christia Freeland. And she is talking about housing. She's talking about housing and food and cost of living and the cost of groceries, et cetera, et cetera. But here is um, questions and answers that Freeland dodges all the time dodges. She's not giving a straight answer here. She's using rhetoric and talking points rather than engaging with the question. But that's what the liberals do. Here's Freeland. And it's a steep hill for us to climb, partly because, as Sean was saying in his opening remarks, you know, this is not a challenge that started yesterday. Um, For decades now, Governments in Canada have not been building affordable housing and supporting the building of affordable housing. We are changing that. And the second thing is, and this as finance minister I see as a huge advantage for Canada, we're a growing country. That's a good thing. Every other 
wealthy industrialized nation in the world, when they look at their economy, one of the first problems they see is a demographic challenge. Because Canada is one of the few countries that is open to immigration, that is less of a challenge for us. That's a great thing, but a growing country needs to build more homes. And that's why we have policies that are about supply, supply, supply. And we have been going at it aggressively. You know, let's look at what we've done just this fall. So they're not addressing at all the number of people coming. They're just trying to build homes, supply, supply, supply. And they can't. It's not feasible to quadruple the number of houses that we've built. It's, we don't have the labor. We don't have the material ready. We don't have, we don't have the expertise, right? You do, if you build 30,000 homes every year in Guelph, let's say, you can't all of a sudden make 300,000 homes, right? It just doesn't work. You don't have the labor or material in the, in the Home Depot and all the rest of it, right? Like it's just not all there. Here's Canada Proud and they're sharing this Polyev um, he's talking here about visa programs being being taken advantage of by foreign students. And he says they should be removed. And I've, I haven't seen him say anything like this. This is November 25th. So I missed this. But I wanted to show you that he is talking about removing people who are abusing systems that were designed for one specific group of people. So here's Polyev talking about waste like that. Someone comes here on a student visa and they're not actually a student, then on that basis alone, they should go home. We don't want to have, we, one of the problems we have with the student visa program is that it has been used by, as a fraudulent uh, point of entry, particularly for corrupt employers trying to get labor from abroad. So in general, we believe that we should shut down all the fraud in the student visa program and anyone who's, who claims to come here to study but is not actually studying should not be here. If someone comes here on a student so, visa... That's interesting, right? That's that's a departure from what I've seen, but he's still not talking about removing... He, he's still not talking about um, bringing down the immigration amounts. And that's... You cannot talk about solving the housing situation without talking about lowering the demand because it has to be lowered. Senator Robert Black says, to the thousands of farmers, ranchers, and growers who heat their barns, I'm extremely disappointed to see my Senate colleagues pass an amendment to Bill C-234, which effectively guts the bill. So yeah, that's not great, right? Not so good. Um, here is Senate of Canada, 40 yeas, 39 nays, zero abstentions for the vote on um, Daphne Pierre's amendment to Bill C-234. And John says, this amendment essentially kills the bill and would that, that would spare the farmers across Canada from being, paying billions in carbon tax over the next few years. The Liberal Party swore in three new senators a few weeks ago and now win this vote by one. Our political system is broken. Yep. That's that's basically it. Uh, here's here's the CBC. This woman is the CBC CEO. She lives in New York State, and her um, idea is to lay off employees while giving big bonuses to other employees. And she won't commit to not giving bonuses. That's pretty wild. So Matt says. Adrian Arsenault almost made CBC CEO T Catherine Tate swallow her tongue with her brilliant question about Christmas bonuses. Uh, Paul says, as with many big businesses, CBC execs apparently think job cuts show that they are great managers and worthy of a bonus. I think they're, any real leader would understand would understand leading means you don't take a bonus when you're laying off coworkers. 
So here's here's the exchange on C or on this person's show. I'm just just curious about something. I, I'm going to presume no bonuses this year. I mean, the Canadian Taxpayer Federation said a freedom of information request showed 16 million were paid in bonuses in 2022. Can we establish that that is not happening this year? It's too early to say where we are for this year. We'll be looking at that like we do all our line items in the coming months. So there's a, there's a chance bonuses could still happen at a time when jobs are being cut? I, again, I, I'm not going to comment on something that hasn't been discussed at this point. So, Okay. I'm just, just <laughs> it's like December 6th. It hasn't been discussed. You haven't discussed Christmas bonuses. It's December 6th. I mean, holy smoke, right? That's, that's pretty wild. You'd think they would have discussed that by now. Here, Hello, everyone. Thanks very much for watching. This is just a short version of a longer show. If you'd like to get the whole show, you can go over to CanadaPoly.com and sign up for a subscription. Just look in the drop-down tab for Shop and Donate and look for subscriptions, and you'll get immediate access to the full show. Love to see you. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful.